Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, Jason. What's going on, man? Where are we? I'm angry, man. That's, that's, that's pretty much where I am. I just got off the phone with my dad. I just had to call him and just ask him how to, how to, uh, how to, how to manage this anger that I'm feeling right now. You know, um, mm-hmm. the demonstrations, the, the, the protests that have been going on have now been, you know, it's widely talked about here in Sweden. And uh, I think we'll get into that a little later, but um, the way that Swedish media, and I'm talking about six of the biggest newspapers in this country, the way they're covering Mm -hmm. this is on a scale from totally false to uh, 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 to, uh, um, denying, to uh, delegitimizing. It's just, it's awful. Mm. It's really, really awful. And I don't really know what to do with that emotion right now well we know what you're going to do which is you're going to write about it and you're processing i mean i can't wait for the album because it's going to be dope it's probably i know however you process this i mean this moment is part of you processing this but then maybe you write another book maybe you you know you write new songs so uh your work is going to be amazing so i mean i know that's how i look at this moment, you know, you know, we grew up in a time where, you know, we heard about what happened in the 60s, you know, like 70 kids, like we heard about what Malcolm and MLK and the marches and as black people, we stand on the shoulders of everything that your father's generation did specifically during the 60s. And all of our, most of our, um, uh, times it's been work towards improvement whether that's technical improvements or whether there's been other work but we've never gotten anywhere you could say right and i think that in many ways in a weird way i think that america needed this and the one and only silver lining with donald trump is that we had to hit rock bottom. If this is what you wanted, we got it. And he has united us in a weird way. All his divisive uh, tactics absolutely. and disunifying yeah. voice has actually unified people. Yeah. And you can argue in a way that Obama achievement that everybody collected, we did as a collective, gave us a false 
sense of hope, of reality, that nothing was wrong, that racism was gone. And we all knew as black people that obviously that was an incredible achievement, but that didn't structurally mean that racism was not gone. But what Donald Trump shows is that, and I think this is what annoys him so much, is that if you look at the protest march, whether it's in 140 cities in America, it's probably in 50 cities in Europe so far, right? Something like that. It's all Obama's kids. They're all, most of them are young, they're diverse, they're gay, they're straight, they're Muslim, they're Christian, they're whatever. I just think, like, this is my list for him. Go and play golf, that's all right. Build your wall around the Trump Tower, nobody cares. And, you know, create your TV network, because that's obviously what you're going to do. We'd be all right, but do us a favor. Just leave. <laughs> You'd be all right. Mar-a-Lago, if you need a wall, build a wall around Mar-a-Lago. Hang out with your buddies. Nobody's mad. And uh, it's almost like a thank you letter that we needed. When, you, when you're trading and this, like, everything is right, but I don't kind of want to do anything and I don't want to jeopardize anything, you get nothing, Jason. We needed this bottom in order to erupt. When I looked at people marching in Paris, in Berlin, uh, you know, because people in the world can see how wrong this is. I was actually, and I was like, I never thought I would find something positive to say about Donald Trump. But this is the gift. He did unite us. Of course, he doesn't know that that's a gift, but it's, it, 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 just chill out, man. Just leave. We'll be all right. Did you see Stockholm, Sagel's toy, Plattan? Yeah. Yo, man, it was, yes. you know, yes. one of the guys that I was yes. standing next to was like, oh, man, glömmer alltså. Vi är fett många blattar i det här landet. I'm like, yeah, you know, so many. And it's exactly what you were saying, you know, like kids, a lot of them, like young kids that like, you know, I was standing with, uh, 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 QD3, as a Quincy, I was standing with my boy yeah. David Jassy. I was standing with a few old timers and, and it was very much the feeling of like, they don't even know who we are. You know, we're just like, we're just some older cats with like graying hair, you know, who are here mm -hmm. to show solidarity. It was just beautiful, man. Entire Saga's toy was covered with, you know. Nice. And, and seeing that solidarity, you know, to obviously, Black and brown bodies in Sweden, they know that discrimination exists in the United States. They know it, uh, uh, that, it, uh, that it exists in Sweden. But it's utterly really sympathizing with, you know, brothers and sisters in America and, and also for their own lives here. And that's why it just, you know, infuriated with the with the callousness, the, the, the blindness, the unwillingness to understand that white Swedish journalists, you know, I had to read in the biggest newspaper yesterday in this entire country, Aftonbladet, a white middle-aged man writing that racial discrimination against black people does not exist in Sweden. We got rid of it after the second world war. I'm like, yo, this is mind blowing. How can you even publish lies? Like, I mean, it's just so, it's just so wrong. It's actually a lie. You know, it's not, 
you know, and they're like, well, it's this journalist's opinion. But, but Jason, um, you operate on a completely different uh, experience than he does, right? He's highly miseducated and also in this, in this topic. You can be very intelligent, but you can be highly miseducated in something, right? And, but, you know, the challenge I have with that is because diversity comes out of people don't even know how racism impacts, right? You have institutional racism, right? Then you have personal bias slash racism. Then you have the structural racism, right? These are all different structure. And I'm like, I don't have to tell you that. You know that as well as anybody. But if that's not even a topic in, in school, right? So the schools are based on what, 1950s. So we talk about how to get to the moon, or we talk, but we don't talk about things that are actually right here, right now, that are relevant, right? So, you know, what people talk about stuff that they feel comfortable about, and then they might dig a little bit in uncomfortable space, but not too much because we kind of don't want to, it's working right now. So I remember in the 90s, I worked in a three-star Michelin restaurant. I felt great. I talked to chef and I said, hey, I'm going to open, one day I'm going to open a restaurant just like yours. And he said to me in French, very simple, it's not possible. And I said, what do you mean? It's not possible. So what do you mean? It's like, do you know a black three-star chef? Show me. So I, I don't. Do you know any black chef that working in the kitchen, at just working in the kitchen at this level? He's like, I don't. It's like, okay, that's your answer. Right, and that was the core reason for me to move to America, right? So America is amazing and we are amazing as people in, 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 in the world because we can do multiple things. We can have, it can be the most racist country and also work on diversity the strongest. And we doing that dirt work right now. So you doing, what you're doing right now is you working for Max, right? That's it. We're working for Zion. So uh, I'm glad that you're getting upset. And I'm glad that I'm not surprised that the institutional bias and racism on the biggest platform are off. Because who did they have to guide them? You, you know, think about before you, there were the opinion leader before you. But who was there before you? I mean, think about that, right? And, and and you have such a power because you are in the living room. So people are comfortable. I mean, this goes further than to just be opinions expressed by, and I'm talking about in Sweden, because it's such a specific experience, like the black experience in Sweden has its kind of specific specific uh, 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 flavor, you know? And, and, and that specific flavor is that, you know, uh, I think the reason, uh, uh, Swedish cops don't kill black people to the same extent that they do in the United States is because they don't have to. Because if you're black in Sweden, you, you really barely exist. I mean, you, you have, <laughs> you're in a position of so little power, so low on the privilege ladder, like, like you're not even, you're like, you know, air, like a mosquito, just like, oof, like that. But talking to a friend is like, even on the, the quote unquote good side, you know, some of Sweden's biggest podcasters, you know, uh, all white, you know, talking about this issue, but never, you know, including any black voices into it to, you know, uh, 
to bring per, no, to bring you? perspective, you know, because why in Sweden <laughs> in Sweden it's still you know white is right, and when things happen, even if it's things that concern you know uh, black people, rather than have a black person explain and teach them so that they can unlearn and reprogram, you know, they explain it. You know, white explaining is just very rampant in this country. But I think Jason, it for me, it's really about. Uh, we have to shoot very specifically on this, on this information, because it's going to hurt. And if we come too hard right away, people's going to shut it off, right? But when you talk about, for example, you know, Sweden, just like America, has a very, we can do two great things. Sweden is one of the beautiful, most contributing uh, countries to the Nelson Mandela and ANC. But at the same time, it could be the most racist place, right? without even knowing it. So for example, if you talk about institutional racism, right? Um, or financial racism that Sweden not participated in, right? If if you and I are gonna buy, if I'm sending you chocolate, I'm sending you Belgian chocolate. So there's no cocoa beans in Belgium, right? If I would send you, a comp, uh, if I would send you coffee up until like five years ago, the coffee come from Ethiopia and Ken- Kenya, but we said French rose coffee, right? So, so right there, you're buying into a bias. And the problem is that you need, when black people has a narrative in the world that we can do well in sports and music, and we're limited in our dialogue and conversations to those. White people can do great in sports and music, but then there are 40 other channels that even if there's bad white people, there's 30 other channels where you can also show art, culture, and amazing examples, right? But we are limited. So if you would ask the average Swede about that, they never thought about it through that level of information. That doesn't make them racist in the traditional term because they're not out there. Uh, but it is this misguided. The way maybe I'm misguided in the LBTQ community, right? Like, so I think that it's important there and, and, and we have a lot of work to do both on both aisles in America and it's happening because the world is watching, but so in Sweden as well. It's just been an extra layer of, of, uh, of, uh, of pain and anger is the, the kind of lack of understanding that I've been going through here. I'm, I'm really... I've been really upset the past uh, 36 hours, you know. Before that, I was really more, you know, in solidarity and and just because, you know, my roots are in the United States, I was feeling that pain. Now it's, you know, it's wholly in me because of my experiences just being black in this country for 45 years. But it's beautiful. It's getting your legs ready, Jason. It's it's honestly, you're in training camp and you're going for the match and you're just getting your legs ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like this is your process. That's why I really need to talk to you, Marcus, because yeah. you, you understand both places. Of course. You know? and, uh, and like, you know, like a, a very wise friend and producer, Mohammed said, you know, uh, Sweden is a young country when it comes to racial diversity, when it comes to diversity, diversity of ideas. You know, Sweden has been this monolithic, homogenous kind of uh, 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 in a racially homogenous uh, um culturally homogenous and monolithic country for a long time. And it's just the past basically 30 years where we're actually seeing some POCs do their thing in this country. 
not only in music and, and football or, you know, but in, in other fields, you know, but even, you know, what hearing you tell the story about, about what that chef told you is, is mm-hmm. also something that's very like, you know, that takes me to the, seeing the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, you know, as soon as somebody doubted Mike in any way, he's like, and then it became personal. That's when he stepped up and pushed himself yeah. to the, the yeah. utmost of his ability. And to me, that's what you did. But it says a lot about a white mind that can't, he can't imagine a black person in a position because just like you said, he's never seen it. So he doesn't think it's possible. If you at that same moment would have told him, you know, I think one day that there'll be a black president in the, in the United mm. States, he'd probably tell mm. you that's impossible, man. If you ever mm. look at it, I mean, it's impossible. Obama showed it was possible. You showed it was possible. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. But Jason, I think uh, there's many experiences here. So I think like, you know, when I listen to Dam or I listen to your 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 team, right, and knowing the guys behind you, like, you know, guys like Jens and Eric and Mons and everybody, right? When you hear that music, what color does it have? It has delicious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if more people can work 
like musicians are working at or creatives because when you make a film uh you and simon are going in there and doing your stuff you solve it by best practice and it's that simple so for me i i'm almost like it's i always trust the artists the artists are always what's showing us the way i don't trust politicians the politicians are voted in and out four years artists are here forever you're going to write 20 years from now and you're going to keep teaching 30 years from now. Do you know what I mean? So I have more faith in that. I would say, uh, you know, one thing that I, I wanted to bring this up last week, because after, after, after the George Floyd uh, murder happened, uh, the music that I went back to was Bob, you know. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I, of course, touched on Public Enemy and stuff like that, too. But Bob Marley, in a time when there's, protests mm -hmm. all in 140 cities Hell yeah. you know speak of something and i mean bob marley unfortunately passed you know more than 40 years yeah more than 40 years ago but his voice is still when it comes to this and being a voice of the oppressed so yeah you're, you're right you know what we do what the arts do it really echoes in kind of eternity and that's how i that's how we learn man and that's how we 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 were able to see but it's very tough times here in Harlem, but it's also some of the best and most important times ever. On Saturday, we started to, there was decided on Friday that it's gonna be a march in Harlem and a, and, a, and, and a beautiful protest march. And when you do something in Harlem, most of the time it's on 125th and Adam Clayton Powell, which is five blocks away from when your father was stopped by a police officer uh, with a gun pointed to his head. So for me, to, and, and of course for you, it has a, you know, it's, a, it's an historical place and it's an historical area. So, so right now I'm outside, Red Booster, and for the first time, I really feel like I don't know what's gonna happen. You know, the pandemic has been tough enough, but obviously, with everything's been going on, the riots in Minnesota and Sacramento and Atlanta. And today there's going to be a beautiful, peaceful march. But um, like anything, you don't know what's, what's going to happen. There's like probably 80% really good intent, good spirited people in there, 90 even. And then there's just a bunch of people that might be bored or have been sitting in their home or just upset in general. So it's, it's, it's hot in Harlem today, it's boiling and um, I'm nervous. I walked up there and, 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 and imagine Harlem, it's peaceful, it's quiet. And in you have come in like 300 police officers. They come in in their cars. And my, I have my son Zion on my shoulder and he thinks it's so cool because he sees all these police cars coming in. Because I wanted to march with him. But then I turned around because it was just got too frantic. And it is something in the air. It's a friction in the air. At the same time, through the subways, you have about six, 700 of young and old and beautiful protesters coming. But there's, there's an aura in Harlem like, don't, don't mess with Harlem. And you can also tell all the business there are in Harlem and of Harlem, right? So the big boxes that are in Harlem, they're all bordered up. But the small boxes, the small restaurants like mine and Melba's, you know, we in and of Harlem. 
I don't even got a gate, Jason. I don't even got a gate. I actually don't have the keys to raise rooster because we never lock it. I shouldn't even say that. We don't because there's always somebody there. So I'm calling Nate, the musician. He's like, no, I'm outside listening to music. Uh, and then he said, what do you think need to, we need to do? No, you build a good trust in the community. You don't have to do nothing. I'm sitting here. I'm listening to music. I'm going to sit here. And so where we talk about what gates you're going to build or whatever, it's more about building trust, building a bank of trust. So I, I go back and I walk up and I'm, I'm speaking with Melba Wilson that owns Melba. What's up, Melba? What's going hey, on? Hey, Marcus, do it all. Do it all. We all have right? to stand up or shut up. Yes. And we're standing up. But you brought the sun here too, which yes. is nice and beautiful. It's really nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's up? Yeah. I got to raise it up. I got to raise it up. I got to raise it up. I got to get up to 6'5". I got to get to 6'5". I'm speaking with Truness Woods from Sylvia's family. And I have to say the police officer, they knew their place, they were respectful, they stepped back and let everybody speak. But as it go, you know, and this can go different ways, right? There's, there's anger. And then this elderly woman, just uh, not here, not now, this is too important. I mean, vision this, we're half a block away from the Apollo. We're right across the street from the studio museum. We got the government building with Adam Clayton, Clayton Powell behind us. The square is packed, you have police officers over here, the public over here. And it's hot. It's like sticky. People are, it can go anyway. We're not even gonna show up no more. Facts, son. We got people that don't look like us putting batteries in our backs. Facts, son. If you wanna do this, you ain't gotta burn down nothing. Just your presence. Your presence. Your presence. Don't talk about it. And I stand there in the middle. Tensions are high. This lady next to me, she might be like 70. You know, she might be your father's age, you know, this strong black woman. She says, brother, I was here when brother Malcolm got shot. I was also here when Martin Luther King got killed. And I tired of being here when black brothers get killed. But I have to, pandemic or not, and I'm going to speak. And it just gave me the chills, do you know what I mean? Like, here's a lady wearing mask. You know, she's, she probably walked for a while, got there, and she got up and she's like, this is for the future. This is about the future and the present, but we're not gonna loot. And there was no looting. So change is hard. And I know everybody wants to go back to their day jobs. Change is hard. What do you think the sittings was in the 60s? All the liberties that you and I have was created by your father's generation as a black person. So all the liberties Max and, 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 and Zion's going to have, we have to do the work. We cannot give up when we're on the 10, we're on like 10 yard line to go, yards to go here. We got to go over the finish line. How was it for you? Jason, when you like, like I was just, did, I was like, I saw London was protesting, mm -hmm. I saw Paris was protesting. I'm like, Amsterdam, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that means that Stockholm's gonna get it. No, it was beautiful, man. I'm so happy I went because of course I was like, should I go, shouldn't I go? You know, there's a pandemic going. Uh, will there even be any people? Because the day before, uh, a, a woman, I don't know her, but an activist named Aisha Jones 
organized a digital protest. And I was like, okay, how's that going to go down? So everybody, everybody posted on Instagram a, a check-in, you know, at the U.S. Embassy at 2 o'clock. And, uh, and it's, it's a fist, Sweden in solidarity with, uh, with uh, Black Lives Matter. And, uh, mm-hmm. Or they posted just a black square, you know, for Blackout Tuesday. And when you go in now on the location, U.S. Embassy in Sweden, it's just black and, the, and fists. Like just, mm. it, there's like thousands and thousands of posts. Mm. So it really, mm. so that was really dope to organize a digital thing. But when I roll up on Sagan's toy in the heart of Stockholm and it's just full, you know, you can't even get down to the square and you just hear it like, and it was also like sun was shining. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Everybody was out in black. Most people were wearing masks. Um, nice. It was just dope to see so many my, you know, Afro-Swedish brothers and sisters out and most of them young, you know, uh, and just there. And of course, a lot of white people in solidarity too, you know. And uh, just as I left, a gang had broken, broken off and they were, you know, throwing uh, plastic bottles at some, of the, at some of the cops. And then, you know, as you know, Sweden is also a heavy vektarkultur. So you always have these, uh, these security guards, you know, and they're running around and really like you could tell that they're not, you know, trained to handle situations like this. And they're basically like just making the, the air more tense because their tense, tension is so like so visible, you know. And then I see three, you know, cop vans roll in and obviously some, some minor some minor uh, 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 scuffles ensued, you know. Uh, and then I left. I walked down to Kungsträdgården. And it was, a, so it was like 5,000 people on Sagan's toy. I leave because I have to go home to my daughter and then go two blocks. And I come to Kungsträdgården, which is a, a park in the center of Stockholm. And there's like 1,000 kids, 1,000 black kids there. Three kids have climbed up on the statue of whatever king, you know, Carl... Gustav, whatever, uh, some old 18th century king, they've climbed up with their, you know, Black Lives Matter banners and people, are, you know, with raised fists in the air. It was just beautiful, man. I felt like, well, we're, we're here, you know, just like that, just like that cat next to me said that, you know, sometimes you forget that there's so many uh, black and brown people in Sweden. It's really easy to forget because the, the, the perspective that we're fed here in this country is so white, man. It's so, so white, you know. You know, Sweden is an important country because Sweden right now got the ear of the world, you know what I mean? And it's perceived as one way. And because of the pandemic and the fact that Sweden did pick its own lane, and there can be debates whether that was the right thing or the wrong thing, but at least Sweden did pick a lane and 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 uh, so I do think that people's going to watch the, the the important the the marches in Stockholm and the cities are important both in Sweden but also externally as people are going to broadcast this through Instagram and and so on Facebook and so on right and I think that you know when people say Black Lives Matter people then say right away all lives matters and I'm trying to always explain for people like. Of course, all life matters, but there is, when you deal with, basically, you can take the biggest stadium we have in Stockholm, right? And you can fill it with the George Floyds, the Breonna Taylor, the Eric Garner, 
the Trayvon Martin, right there, Matil. So that happened. So it's not like the amount of fear that a black person has for basic things that we shouldn't have fear about. One thing that I talk about with um, my son is obviously the talk, right? When I'm going to have the talk that your father had with you. And the talk doesn't exist in a white family. No, not, there's no need for it. And every black person knows what the talk is. It is when you see a police officer, go the other way. Now it has to be, if you look at another person, go the other way. You know, when you, if you like bird watching, go the other way. So, so it's all this stuff like that, that people of color are dealing with and it's a normal for us. So that's why people, that's just an example of um, racism that is generational. Another example is, which because this is deep tissue and it's important, I think, that <clears throat> people in Sweden that are woke understand, right? So the, the biggest way for people to create personal wealth is very often they buy their house. Well, black people did not have access to banks and loans. How do most people buy their house? They put something down and then they go to the bank. We did not get loans. There was structural, like redlining, for example. Like if you live in one zip code, there are $13,000 spent on a child in school. And if you live in another zip code, could be two houses down, the $39,000 spent for a, school, uh, for a child, right? So, so these are things that then for generations changes education, it changes personal wealth. And then by the time when you're 20, how come the same kid, two kids from the same neighborhood have two very different experiences? So this is why we are so behind and so frustrated. Uh, we don't want better, we just want justice. And it's very important, I think, to unpack these things because, um, you know, Obama is almost like a prince or like in the world. So, oh, we, you know, America had a black president, so now that's over with. It's like saying if we get a female president, now there's not going to be sexism anymore, right? So I think it's so important to unpack it in a way so the average person in, 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 in whatever community you're speaking to understands it. And also for me, it's something that is lagged by people of color, but it's not a black issue. It's a human issue. It is, you know? It's just beautifully put, Marcus. But that's one of the narratives here among, among some of the journalists in, in some of the papers I mentioned earlier, you know, Expressen, Sydsvenskan, Göteborgs Posten, these places is like, well, why talk about race? You know, you shouldn't, uh, uh, you shouldn't categorize people into categories of race. And why talk about black and white when, you know, we're all human? But they use that as a uh, as a as a as a strategy to delegitimize the need for anti-racism because basically what they want to say is that that all this thinking about race and racism is made up by the by the anti-racist movement, and if you guys would just stop talking about it, then the problem would go away because then it wouldn't exist, you know. Which is really like flipping it in a way that I feel is just like mind bending a little, you know. Yeah, but again, I, I do think that 
there is so much work that needs to be done. I can't wait until we see each other in Sweden and when we have this moment as an open podcast, maybe we do mm -hmm. an event Some where audience, we have to talk yeah. about it because yeah. um yeah, because it it there's a lot of work that needs to be done. This gap needs to be narrowed and I I have faith in America and I have faith in Sweden. End of the day. That's beautiful to hear love... you say that because I've really doubted on both. You know, I've doubted on my faith in the United States and you know, uh, uh, but you know why you do that? Because because you love Sweden and you love America. You you don't doubt your faith in anything that you don't care about. But I spoke to my dad again just now, and he's like, you know, he's like, the United States was founded by by slave owners. Slave owners wrote the Constitution, and they wrote, you know, and it was written in blood in the blood of Native Americans and African Americans, you know. Uh, um, now Sweden doesn't have that same history. It has a very bloody history, but you know, uh, uh, and a very much longer history. But still, yeah, I, I think it's it's been hard for me to, you know, which is really weird, right? That the pandemic, in a sense, kind of up, obfuscated. You know, it made the future very like opaque and hard to see. All of a sudden, the horizon was covered in in fog. You know. It was uncertain times. What's going to happen after? When when are we going to come out? What is it going to look like on the other side? You know, and then Ahmaud Aubrey happened, and strangely enough, because that's that you know, yeah, that's as a as a as an event unto itself. You know, that kind of really echoes the the what happened to Emmett Till in a sense. You know. Uh, he wasn't even killed by cops, but, but, and then of course, uh, Amy Cooper and then George Floyd. And then I'm like, and now again, I'm like, wow, you know, now the horizon is even more like unclear, uncertain what's going to happen, you know? So I've, I've had problems with my faith and just maintaining kind of that optimism that you're, that you're, you know, giving me right now, Marcus. And it's, it's really valuable to me to hear you speak in, in these terms, you know? It really is, brother. I, I I think there's a couple of things that you said. I do think that Swedish history, but we don't talk about it. Because if you ask the Sommer if you think Sweden is fair, ask them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know right? what I mean? Yeah, the so, Swedish so we have indigenous Hell yeah. We have indigenous people in Sweden, mm. and, you know, I don't see them on TV. No. And, you know, there's no representation. Like, so, no representation. So there, you know, this has happened before, it's, but it's uncomfortable to talk about. The other part about this is that I see hope because I do see beautiful, a lot from the young ones coming out and they are more diverse than ever and they're more social media savvy than ever. So you can't lie as much, right? The, 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 the second part about very often when people say, Let's guide, when you get frustrated, uh, Jason, guide them to great information, like the podcast 1619, right? Where she talks about, why does something that happened 400 years ago has impact, right? But, and people don't realize when you take someone's land and people come in and work as slaves, that builds generational wealth, right? It builds generational wealth. So 200 years into it, people are not even free 150 years later, people are free, but they got to start with uh, 40, 40 mules, right? Like, like do, you, do you understand? Like, people don't want to do the homework on what generational wealth looks like, right? So 
because there is very few generational wealth about African-Americans because so many years and decades and generations, they had to just work. They couldn't get bank loans. They were the first to send to war. They were the first that were sent into um, jails disproportionately, right? The father was brought, you know, sent to jails of Vietnam or drugs was put into the community. How are you going to catch up? That is, for me, the institutional racism that is pushed in by its own government. Like this is, so this is why, why something like Black Lives Matter, it has, it has, it, it's, it's not like a soup. It's like a stew. There's structure to this stuff, right? Duck, 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 where everything actually matters. And now we have this moment. And again, I have to say that America is a country in extreme. And Donald Trump, go and play golf. You're done. Thank you. You've done your part. <laughs> Sit on the side. Yeah, yeah. Because when you've been race baiting that long and you've been hating on... And he's been doing it since the man, 80s, man. Or, of course. Or maybe even 80s. before that, you know. Now, when you have a perfect storm, he's been race baiting since the 70s. And now when you have a perfect storm, you, you, you're pissed off the immigrants, you're pissed off black people, you're pissed off uh, uh, women... Everybody who held the country together in America right now, the nurses, the majority of them are immigrants. People like Breonna Taylor, who have been the first responders, right? Why does the pandemic hit African-American and brown people more? Because they don't have jobs where they can work from home, right? So during this time, we were, America was kept together by people on a largely minimum wage. We need to say thank you. You need to go to Mar-a-Lago, play your golf. By the way, while you're at it, build your wall. Ciao, sayonara. <laughs> and, you will, will, and history will judge you. And there will be people on the island that will like you. Keep playing golf with them. But the rest of us, we're going to move on to something brighter and bigger and, and more peaceful, you know? Yeah, but you know, this is the reason I haven't recorded an album for six years because my last album, Felivity Dodd, came out 2014 and I was really fucking angry. And I was mm. angry at the racism that exists here and how it now was a part of the Swedish parliament and of people who don't even identify as racist, but all of a sudden they're echoing this racist narrative, you know. And I know where it comes from, you know. Uh, and for so many years, I didn't record it again because it's like, I don't want to be this angry guy. I want to be, you know, I don't want to be the angry black rapper. You know, I want to be, I want to uplift. I want to be in another space. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, and it was eating me. It was eating a lot of my energy. And I yeah. didn't know how to break yeah. out of it, you know. Uh, but now I feel, <laughs> now I, I feel that, you know, I feel that the centrifuge is starting to, mm -hmm. like you're saying, it's warming up. And, and I'm mad, man. And then, then it has to come out. Yeah, but it, that's good. That's beautiful, Jason. That's beautiful, That's Jason. one thing. The other thing is that, you know, uh, and this is kind of from what I've been listening to, the podcasts, the news reports, what I've been reading, conversations with friends, you know. Ra racism isn't just uh, are you a racist or are you not a racist? Racism is like, you know, like somebody explained it today uh, on, uh, on a news program I was listening to. Racism is like dust in the air. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we're not, it's not just a question of, are yes. you a racist? Are you not a racist? We are born and socialized in a racially segmented 
uh, uh, stratified and structurally built society. So we all carry this stuff. I mean, I carry it, you carry it. You know, we all carry privilege. We all carry uh, uh, prejudice in different ways. And, and this is a brilliant moment for us all to check ourselves, introspect, reflect, and to do that work uh, individually and collectively. And I just wanted to say, what we need is higher unlearning, you know? We need to unlearn the, the, the ideals and the stereotypes that we were fed at a young age from Disney films, from uh, uh, TV shows, from uh, uh, advertisement, from, you know, echoing this stuff. And that's how we, that's how, you know, you look at a video like the doll test on YouTube. That's why a, a six-year-old kid automatically thinks that a, a white doll is more beautiful than a black doll because it yeah. seeps in at an yeah. early age and we need that unlearning, you know, because I really want to stress the point that it's not just about are you a racist or are you not a racist? No. You know, racism just exists in the air. But, but let's start on the other end. I think mm. that, you know, I'm actually right after this, I'm going to go have a panel for chefs around the country. And about race. So I called six, seven of black chefs. They're amazing, female, male black chefs. And I said, let's, let's just have this talk. And I, I was like, let's start on the other end, Jason. I think it's better to say, when people say, oh, I'm colorblind, let's start on the opposite and say, I'm not, including <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do I, let, let's, yeah, let's start from the opposite. Let's start from, I have color bias. And I'm going to give you some example. I was about, I don't know, 10. I don't know how old I was, but like, let's, I was a kid. Like I was a kid. And Yannick Noah beats Mats Philander in tennis. And I'm in a room with all my buddies and we're fighting and Mats Philander's in the final. And, and, and I just raised my hand. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And that was one of the first time that I realized that I'm drawn to this guy with the dreadlocks. And I'm a kid, so it's not even racist, but it's color bias, right? I remember when, when, when Bob died, our teacher didn't, our, our teacher didn't cry. But then when John Lennon cried, died, our teacher cried. And I was running home to my mom's like, what's up with this? Like, and she's like, don't listen. I told you, don't listen to the teacher. Don't, I mean, I'm like, I'm in a classroom. And it's like, my mom's like, told you. Don't. But it ended up being good because we went down to the store and get Uprising by Bob Marley. My mom was crying. My mom was crying. And it was really, it was a heartfelt thing. And then I'm just going to give you a tiny little example. In the... Late 70s and early uh, late 70s, Bob Marley performed in Sweden, I think in 79 at Grenalund, but he wasn't allowed to come after that because he was smoking weed. Now, Rolling Stones, that Keith Richard was constantly talking about how he was bringing heroin with him everywhere, they were heroes in Sweden. So, like, iconic bands like they were just openly talking about coke and, and, and heroin, they were allowed to perform in Sweden, but Bob Marley was not. It's black music that they're, that mm -hmm. they're you know, replicating, imitating, mm -hmm. and trying to live up to, you know? Yeah. 
to not as a white person in this country to be like, okay, uh, I don't understand this, so let me just be quiet and listen, you know, or let me try to educate mm -hmm. myself. To actually actively want to go out and criticize something you don't understand shows a, a, a lack of solidarity where I'm like, uh, and that's where I find it difficult to control my patience. You know? Well, that's what privilege is, Jason, yeah, true, right? So true. they go, and that's my point is, mm. I think it's great that you're going through and I'll go through these emotions, but then we got to land somewhere and bring people together because both of you and I work with something that constantly bring people together, right? You work with music, I work with food, and it brings people together. And it's, part of our process is to, unpack this because it's highly complicated and uh you know when you see it it might not make sense when colin kaepernick started to uh take the knee as peaceful as that was people didn't understand it do you see me now do you understand it now right so doing the work during the process it could be messy it could be ugly it could be difficult but post work think about germany when the berlin wall came down Right. And now you think about you go down to Berlin with your friends and, it, you know, it's all east. Right? Yeah, but I'm yeah, sure yeah. six, you know, like three, four years leading up to that, it was horrible. Right. So we are doing the work and you also have to have in mind, like Sweden is not a country that has remember war. So it's, it's very confrontational. Uh, defensive in a way, right? It's not really the com the mechanism around confrontation. America is much more confrontational, yeah, and that true. And, and it's violent, yeah, yeah, very, violent. very violent. Yeah. And it's hard and brutal, but the work needs to be done. You need mm. to plow. Mm. You know, this mm. is like mm. we're in a winter storm in December, and we got to plow through this. And I, I feel so much good work is being done, Jason. And then, yeah, there's going to be some knucklehead, but I, 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 I'm. <laughs> I really bright about this. I last thing I want to leave you with is that I'm going to send you that little icon that I sent out because I was like, I looked at it from three or four different things. It's like three fingers, right? Mm, mm. The first one is mourn. You have to mourn. Mm, yeah. This is where everyone can do it. Not as a black person, preach, as a person. Mourn. Preach. This is, you know, just mourn. Mm. Second part is reflect on how do I add to this chaos? And mm. what can I reflect on and helping out? What mm. books should I read? How should I get knowledge? How can I talk to my specific family or community about mm. this? Mm -hmm. The third one should be love, compassion, and empathy. Yeah. You need love, compassion, empathy. And then the last one, which specifically, specifically impacts us in America, is very simple. Vote. That's it. <laughs> You know what I mean? You vote. Yeah, like Killer Mike said, bully him in the voting booth, you know? Yes. Uh, that's where you beat yes. him up in the voting booth. But I, I would love for you, Jason, to post your three that is important for you. You know what I mean? The three I've been talking about, but this is mainly in, in response to people asking, what can I do? What can I do? Is uh, uh, identify, admit, and, uh, and investigate, you know? identify Beautiful. what racial prejudice or kind of oppressive attitudes exist in your family, in your workplace, yes. amongst your friends, you know, mm. what discriminatory practices do you, do you witness? Which can you identify? And then admit them to yourself, you know, mm. that this, and, and, and if it's, yeah. a, and if it's collective work, then admit them to each other, talk about it. Like, wow, you know, uh, 
this, I, I can see my privilege and I've really noticed that I, you know, I can, I, I've identified it and, and now I can admit to you that I have this privilege. Yes. And then investigate, you know, why? Why, where does this come from? You know, once you've done those three steps, you're well on your way to a, a solution and how to, uh, how to change it. Then you're already, then you've already arrived at the threshold of where change mm. is possible because you've identified, yes. you've admitted, and you've mm. investigated, looked into why, you know. So, so those have been my that. three these That's w- so this week. But, you know, uh, I spoke to my auntie Jamie um, a while ago, you know, she's on 116th Street in St. Nick. We were talking about the pandemic, but she really uh, had some beautiful things to say about just what you were uh, speaking on, Marcus, that the world is going to need uh, a lot of kindness now. You know? Auntie is always welcome. You know that. Auntie's in the house. But I do think it's important that everyone has to really internalize this. And I, I, I'm going to give you just a tiny example, right? I love my father, Leonard. I love my dad. Uh, white man that raised three black kids. And he tried to protect us and try to guide us as much as he could. But he was a little bit homophobic. What do I mean with that? He wasn't, you know, during the HIV epidemic when it started in Sweden in the 80s and the early 90s, he wasn't as progressive as he was on race. And then one day, one of our, our favorite people, Michael, that actually was the one who taught my sister how to become a hairdresser, he died. And this was my, like, my dad really appreciated Michael because he was such a hard worker and he really taught my sister how to get in the game. He died of HIV. And it became the pivotal moment for our family. But our father, I've always felt he missed out because now he's dead. And as much as I love my dad, and it's very hard for me to talk about my father's passed away, I hate to bring up his name in this way, but that was something we had to go through as a family. Don't be the guy that apologizes when the person is dead. So we can, we all have work, you know what I mean? My dad was an amazing father, amazing person, but this was something he needed to work on, but it was too late. So that level of, we all have level of bias. We all have, um, prejudice within us that can get ugly and can really get ramped up or we can get educated about it. So Jason, you are such an important part in this puzzle. And I think maybe you're about to go through the most important time and the biggest gift you can give Sweden because you're a voice that we need. I'm a voice that we need. And we need to, we need to like do the work now. And hopefully the the process of this is helpful for us, but it's going to be even more helpful for our listeners. Marcus, man, I can't, you know, I can't tell you how how important this, uh, you know, every conversation they've had so far has been important. Uh, but this, I was really, I was really feeling bad when I came into this and I needed that, up, you know, that upliftment, that wisdom that you have, brother. Thank you. Thank you.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 